Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast, where we break down the practical strategies of this emerging science, starting with healthy light habits and going wherever the quantum superhighway takes us. This is your host, executive and life coach, Meredith Oak, and I've got a special invitation for you. We appreciate you so much that we wanted to do something to make this podcast even more valuable for you. So we have created a podcast portal where eight of our most downloaded info-rich episodes are available to search by keyword. That means you can put in any keyword that you remember or wanna know more about, and within about five seconds, you will have the timestamp of where that word comes up in each episode with a transcript. This is super cool. Uh, we also have a couple of free downloads in there, including our product recommendation guide and a link to the practitioner directory. So please go to qbcpod.com and get immediate access to all of that. That's qbcpod.com. See you on the inside. So in episode 51, coach Daniel White shared with us his research on the positive effects for teenagers when they wore blue blocking glasses for a few hours before bed. In this episode, we dive in a little bit more into blue blocking lenses and why they are such a crucial tool to navigate our burnout culture. Our technology has changed so much over the past 10 to 15 years that it has become almost impossible to get high quality sleep unless you actively intervene on the current work environment and what the way that it's set up. So we have today coach Nick Tan. He is a sleep expert and he's also a biohacking gadget expert. He uses all the things, he's tested all the things, and he's here to tell us what tools we need to use, especially when it comes to sleep, to compensate for the extreme changes in our technological environment. Enjoy. Hey, good morning, Nick. Welcome to the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. Hey, Meredith. Thanks for having me. It's good to okay. be here. Yes. So we are here with Coach Nick Tan. Um, that is also his Instagram handle. You should follow him there if you don't. Um, N-I-C-T-A-N. So Nick, you are um, a quantum health coach um, focused on working with clients who have autoimmune issues, fatigue issues, sleep issues, energy issues, which are all obviously tied together. So give us a little brief um, introduction of how you landed in this space, because you used to be like a corporate person in Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was okay. um, for a good part of my 30s. I was working as a commodity trader back in Singapore. It was um, obviously a very highly strung job. Um, oh, not just corporate. You were in finance. I forgot that part. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. hardcore. Okay. Yeah. And um, very stressful, always thinking about work mm -hmm. and, um, you know, having my sleep and wake cycles upside down. And I thought it was just normal, you know, just being a modern human, living life and, you know, um, going after the things that I want in life. But um, in towards the end of my 30s, then... Um, I started to feel more fatigue. I wasn't able to focus or concentrate very well. And right. one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I realized that I had um, Hashimoto's. Wow. Yeah, so um, what, I, I kind of went through the whole, like, you know, normal allopathic path. Um, you know, that wasn't working very well. And then tried out the functional medicine as well. You know, lots of supplements and 
um, it was great for a while, but then as soon as the supplements comes off, all the symptoms starts coming back. Right. So that led me to, um, you know, like try to be basically figure out things on the internet, you know, trying to find yeah. things that, um, I haven't actually seen before. And one thing led to another stumble upon Dr. Jack Cruz yeah. and the things that he introduced and was talking about was like completely new to me and no, no one you know, that I've heard in the internet was talking about things. And intuitively, it was a tough pill to swallow in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as things weren't working, and I was basically forced to try and had to be receptive to yes. other things that might possibly work, especially if it's low risk, you know, um, I figured why not give it a shot. And the first thing that I tried was putting on a pair of blue light blocking glasses. And I used to have terrible insomnia and I would be the very typical night owl type of um, person where Mm -hmm. um, I would sleep till late in the morning and then wake up feeling tired. And in the afternoon, I'll be like, "Mm," you know, I I could could use a nap while I'll be in, in the office. And then when the night time comes and it's time to go to bed, I'll be like wired but tired and I wouldn't be able to yeah. go to sleep till like two, three in the morning. Yeah, so it was a problem. And the very moment that I thought, okay, let's give this, um, my very first pair was the pair of UVEX from Amazon. Right. Um, you know, Which uh, for people who don't know are just like super cheap glasses to protect your eyes when you're working like right. in a workshop or something. Yeah, that's right. Okay. It's kind of like orange. But they're orange, but they're, yeah. the, it's like orange plastic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right, yeah. It's, it's really cheap. It's like $15, very low risk. I figured, let's give it a try, you know. Okay, like, like, my, my sleep is worth a $15 experiment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I put it on like 9 p.m. watching TV and my eyes started tearing. And before I knew it, I was like yawning. And before 10 o'clock, I was in bed. Wow. So this is the very first night. Yeah. Very first night. Wow. My wife was surprised. I was surprised. I had a good night's sleep without, you know, the the regular, you know, staying up to like two racing thoughts and, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You know, yeah. I had a friend who was, she was telling me about some sleep problems. And so I suggested the the blue blockers and she was kind of like, all right. <laughs> and she did it. And I saw her after she was like, oh my goodness, I slept all night. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, uh, it works. Yeah. So I just want to pick up on something because I'm, as you're talking, I'm sort of reflecting back to all of the interviews I've done. And I'm noticing that like there, there are so many young men who either worked really hard through their twenties and early thirties or played really hard through their 20s and 30s. But either way, they had a very uh, dysfunctional circadian rhythm, mm-hmm. um, burning the candle at both ends. And it's just interesting to me that how how much faster people are burning out, right? Like when mm-hmm. I think of, uh, you know, a generation that that did this maybe through the 1980s or through the 1970s, like I don't, I don't think they hit the wall the way people are now. And it's suggesting to me that our environment has changed so much and our light environment and our frequency environment has changed so much that like, we're not, we're not making it out of our thirties before we're really like starting to fall apart. Yeah. 
Yeah, very much so. I think lifestyle component has a has a huge um, play at this as well. Um, obviously, the number of workloads and the expectation to to perform at work is is huge, especially being in yeah. the finance industry. So you always have to bring in your A game. But in terms of demand wise, after work, you have to obviously meet your clients. You have to entertain them, mm-hmm. and before you know it, you're having like late night dinners. That's, yeah. that's a huge one as well. And then you know, followed by um, entertainment, alcohol, and whatnot. And before you know it, like the, the general like um, person in my industry typically sleeps at like 12, one o'clock. And, right. you know, that, that obviously has an impact on our cortisol. And then, you know, that dysregulates mm-hmm. the melatonin. So then when everything starts to go upside down, um, it's very easy to then just justify that, hey, I'm just, I just got a night owl personality without yes. examining um, what's in our environment. You know, for example, light um, lifestyle that could be causing these um, things to malfunction over right. time. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause I feel like people used to be able to get away with it a little longer. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't, you know, my lifestyle wasn't from, from work. It was, you know, just from having children and whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, the lack of sleep and, and those kinds of things. But yeah, like I was, I was in my mid thirties when I started to hit the wall and so were you. And so I'm just thinking of so many different people. And I feel like, yeah, like we, we used to be able to get away with these lifestyles longer, but the, the assault on our systems that we have now from, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Like, I'm just thinking like the, how much the light bulbs have changed and the screens yeah. and the smartphones and the Wi-Fi and the 5g. And it's like, mm-hmm. we can't, it's like, we have to grow up <laughs> and take care <laughs> of ourselves at a younger and younger age. I feel like. Yeah. Very much so. And like, it's, it's one of those things where majority of the public are not aware of, right? And then I remember when I first started work, it was still the the dumb phone, so to speak, really right. tiny screen, uh, yeah. there wasn't any colors, you know, and obviously that doesn't cost too much of the blue light hitting our eyes yeah. compared to the evolution of iPhone. That's like, I think now 12 or 13, which is getting like richer and richer in color which is great for entertainment, mm. but at the same time, it's very rich in the blue light blasting in our eyes and our face. And right. um, one of the typical things, obviously, apart from working, being exposed to blue light and the non-native wireless radiation is also um, being up late at night, checking emails, um, yeah. which is really terrible. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously understanding that the mechanism of how blue light actually interrupts our circadian rhythm and kind of like tricks and confuse our body um, into thinking that it's daytime when it's actually like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. So let's just, while we're here, do a brief recap on why that's so bad. So I'm just going to, th- I'm, I'm thinking of like a person who let's, let's take your example. Okay. You're a person, you're a commodity trader. It's 1989. <laughs> you're out late. You're doing all the things. You're working hard. You're burning the candles at both ends, mm. but you're not checking your email at midnight. Mm. You're no, you don't have a smartphone in your face first thing in the morning and last thing before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying that those extra um, stimulants or assaults on our system from those lights are disrupting our, sati- our circadian rhythms. So what is happening and why is that so bad? Mm. 
I guess it's happening because like the world is just becoming more and more efficient. Right. Sorry, I, Emmett, what's, why is that happening? Like, why is our circadian rhythm getting disrupted? Like, right, what's okay. the light doing? And and mm-hmm. because I also, people tend to feel like, yeah, circadian rhythm and like, whatever, it's not that big a deal, but it's it's a big deal. So explain, mm-hmm. explain why as well. Yeah. Okay, sure. So like, maybe I could just share in terms of like, in terms of humans, right? Like um, yeah. just kind of like scale back out a little bit. Sure. Like we pretty much evolved under sunlight for right. uh, the bulk of our evolution for like almost 300,000 years, right? And the only light that we have after the sunset is candles or the occasional stars um, or moonlight. But then ever since the invention of light bulb about 150 years ago, um, like essentially that allows us to alter um, the night environment um, in modern humans. And if you think about things, that's a really, really tiny fraction of what um, our ancestors had to um, evolve under. And in terms of candle, it's about a 2% melatonin suppression compared to um, the evolution of light bulb. And then obviously, all the way to 1990s when the Japanese started to introduce blue light into the light emitting diodes um, just to make things a lot more energy efficient. Mm. Um, that was essentially when we start to see um, things becoming more efficient, but at the same time also um, insomnia and all the other disease um, starting to become more and more common. Um, you know, even things, for example, um, cancer, we've seen a huge spike if you look at the graphs over the last hundred years, um, autoimmune condition, autism, um, could it be just food or could it be also certain stimulus in our environment that's causing that? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you think about things, 150 years is, is not really that long, right? Yes. Like, Obviously, blink of an blink of an eye, <laughs> evolutionarily speaking. Yeah, like zero point zero 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 five percent. So, yeah, yes, really yeah. Good. So we haven't. Our bodies like have had no time to adapt. And even I think, yeah, like even just like the last ten to fifteen years with with the tablets and the smartphones and the 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 LED light bulbs, like it's really become so intense. Okay. So you said something there. So you said like a candle, so light after sunset, when it's totally dark outside, mm-hmm. um, that's when our melatonin starts to be released. And if we, if we look at light, it suppresses the melatonin. So you were saying a candle suppresses it about 2%. Mm-hmm. Whereas what about like a, a, uh, a looking at your phone on factory settings or like turning on an overhead LED? What's that? Mm, yeah. So how is that? How much is that suppressing the melatonin and why is that bad? Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So like in terms of light bulb, we have three different types. So incandescent, um, you know, that was pretty much the very first light bulb that we were using that got commercialized. That's about 40% melatonin suppression. Okay. And then um, during the oil crisis um, in the 1970s, um, they light engineers starts to uh, look into ways to reduce the um, energy efficient. And that's how the compact fluorescent light uh, came into the market. And they were able to uh, essentially remove um, a big part of the red, which basically causes heat um, in the light bulb. And with the reduction of that, they introduced more of the green. And that was how the compact fluorescent light came into the market. 
Um, and in terms of energy efficiency wise, that was probably about uh, like 60%, 70% compared to the incandescent, but that wasn't enough. And then 10, 20 years later on, closer to year 2000, that was the commercialization of the LED. That was about 80% melatonin suppression. And they further removed the red as well as the green to increase more of like the blue um, in the um, market. And before we knew it, like everything around us these days are pretty much has, um, in terms of the light that's coming out from devices, almost everything in um, that we are exposed to these days in our household has some form of LED component. Everything from our television to our microwave to um, you know our, our phone and tablets. Yeah. So what happens is this blue um, pretty much signals to our brain that it's actually daytime, which is when if you look at things from a sunlight point of view, um, blue is usually the richest when um, the sun is actually at the highest part of the horizon. So that essentially, when it's coming from the sun, it's, it's actually a good thing. It's telling our body that what time of the day it is and what sort of processes and, and whatnot that we should, um, the body should be working in alignment with the sun. But the problem comes when the sun sets and we are looking at the phone and these artificial light essentially confuses our body into tricking, tricking us into thinking that it's actually daytime. It's not time to go to sleep. It's time to move around, be alert and, you know, maybe hunt for food um, versus it's time to rest and digest. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what I hear you saying is that um, up until the invention of the light bulb and even then the earlier light bulbs were not suppressing our melatonin as much. Hmm. And then the more energy efficient they become, the more, <laughs> um, the, and the brighter, the more blue light, the more they're suppressing the melatonin. Yeah. So now we are basically surrounded unless we intentionally choose. Otherwise, if we just mm -hmm. default to what's available, we are surrounded by melatonin suppressing mm -hmm. agents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much. Like street lights, headlights, mm -hmm. our light bulbs at home, our screens, all of it. So what, why is it so important to have that melatonin be released? Which I understand. So the melatonin is supposed to be released. Like the darkness allows it to come out. We're not doing the darkness. Mm -hmm. What is so great about melatonin? Like, well, why, why are we like, like, it's like, oh, whatever. Mm, it's just melatonin. Yeah. I'll Very just take a pill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a good move. But like, um, from a layman perspective, I think majority of the people actually associate melatonin as a sleep hormone which it mm -hmm. is, it's a very powerful one. Yeah. But what's lesser known as well is melatonin also has other um, different controllers and it's actually mm -hmm. not just made in the pineal gland, but also in the mm -hmm. mitochondria. And essentially I think um, what some of the latest study that's coming out and it's really fascinating is they have actually found that melatonin is also a antioxidant. Right, so it actually helps reduce yeah. oxidative stress. It protects the electron transport chain in the mitochondria. So that helps us um, from a cellular level um, to essentially help us become more energy efficient. And obviously the more energy efficient we are, then um, the healthier we become versus someone who is lacking in energy. Um, so 
on top of that, um, I think another really interesting study is um, it also has a bit of the chelation um, component as well. So melatonin is not just for sleep, but it's a very powerful antioxidant. But the mechanism of how it secretes throughout the body is the same, which is the absence of light after dark. So um, it became a real priority when I realized how important this really is. And obviously, um, why don't we supplement then, right? Um, yeah. Because obviously when we try to supplement something that our body is designed to make naturally, then um, the body obviously is not going to be able to produce things from a more efficient manner. And I don't think that um, from a mitochondrial perspective, mel melatonin will be able to produce that way compared to, you know, supplementation versus making it naturally. Right. So we, we need our body to go through the process that makes the melatonin and as opposed to just taking it in pill form yeah. and we're stopping our body from doing that by having all, by having all of this exposure to artificial light at night. Mm, yeah, very much. And so. we've now learned that melatonin is lit is incredibly important, mm. um, to overall health mm -hmm. and energy and, uh, it's a protective me mechanism against Ill disease and illness and it does all kinds of things mm -hmm. and we're living in a, an environment that's basically designed to suppress it yeah. <laughs> okay all right just you know and i like i like to be clear about what's going on yeah. <laughs> yeah. god i'm freaking myself out okay okay so <clears throat> Okay, so I hope we've we've made that very clear for people who are new to this conversation that we need to be in dark or near darkness at nighttime so we make melatonin because it's really important to everything, which is why our circadian rhythms are so important. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, let's talk about what to do. Mm. So we've covered sort of why why this artificial light at night environment that we're all kind of swimming around in um, is so incredibly harmful. Let's talk about what to do. So when you have, you have people come to you with autoimmune um, fatigue, low energies, insomnia, things like that, right. Which is all obviously connected to this. So how do you, what's your way in with those people right. in terms yep. of helping them sort this out? Mm. So majority of the time when we, find ourselves in more of like a disease state. I, I mm -hmm. tend to look at things from um, like generally from an energetic point of view. And usually yeah. the first thing that I would tackle is how's your sleep. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, I always hear that it's not great or I'm on. Okay. Kind of so your first, your first question is how's your sleep? How's your sleep? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, because and, and no one ever says it's amazing. <laughs> I sleep nine <laughs> hours a night and I wake up feeling refreshed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, that's not, not the answer. <laughs> that's right, and okay. and it's it's true. And, and if you think about things like um, like energy is is pretty much like an indication of a pre disease state, or that's how I tend to see things intuitively. Okay. Because if if you, so you mean like a person's energy level is kind of indicative of of how close mm -hmm. they are to being in a diseased state. Yeah. Or like okay. I would say that a healthy individual, you know, mm -hmm. like doing things more naturally, um, 
you know, generally, do you wake up feeling refreshed? Do you have all the energy, necessary energy to do your work? Um, is, do you have mental clarity? Are you productive at work? Um, generally speaking, most of the time when we start to experience like fatigue, especially in the morning, um, or even, you know, brain fog, um, difficulty performing tasks or prioritizing things, that's usually a sign that, um, you know, could potentially mean that we didn't really sleep very well. You know, um, so generally speaking, when I hear things in my practice that, you know, I'm really tired, even though I've slept um, seven hours or sometimes even eight, nine hours, but mm -hmm. um, I'm still feeling tired. What's going on? Um, most of the time it's actually tying back to circadian rhythm. Right? Um, okay. it's, it's not just about sleeping as much as possible, but it's also the quality of your sleep. Are you sleeping naturally or are you having um, sleep aids? You know, so I, yeah. I tend to, because of this, I tend to try and focus on the root cause of things so that if we get the sleep in order, then generally speaking, that can give them back a little bit of quality of life, at least during the daytime. Mm -hmm. and that helps them um, put things into perspective for the importance of circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. And that further makes things a lot easier for them to um, be more open and receptive to other types of lifestyle modifications. Right. Yeah. And I, I certainly relate to that because that was my situation. I was sleeping 10 hours a night, mm -hmm. which, you know, like to organize my life to get that much sleep was like, <laughs> like, I was like, really? Yeah. And I, but, and I never felt rested. Like I would wake up and still feel tired. And that was just like, just even like psychologically and emotionally really, mm -hmm. um, demotivating right because i'm like here i've i've structured my life in a way where i like crash for 10 hours every night and i'm still tired and i still don't feel um refreshed or well rested or very very rarely right it was like there was no no matter how much i caught up on the sleep it just never seemed to make a difference and that's when i started to learn about what you're saying like the quality mm. of sleep like what is is your body doing what it's supposed to do? So you may not be conscious, but that doesn't mean that the, yeah, that what's meant to be happening is happening. Okay. So you have, you um, talk to people about their sleep. It's usually not very good. So mm -hmm. walk us through, yeah, like some very like easy, the first few easy things that we can do mm -hmm. um, to start to restore that. Yeah, 100%. Leap so quality. The first thing is obviously light hygiene, um, you know, um, and, and I guess it's more of helping them become aware that the light around you actually has an impact on, um, you know, your life, your, your, your health as well as your sleep quality. So I really try to get them to buy into the idea that if you fix your sleep, then, you know, your life is going to be better. So um, typically blue blockers, that will be the very okay. first step based on my personal experience yeah. um, as well as know the, the people that have helped that seems to be one of the biggest um, needle mover so I okay. typically tend to get them as starters to try them on see how they feel and if they can feel the impact then we could look into other things such as the introduction of rate shifting your phones um, or even investing in one of those um, like red light shifting softwares on your laptops or your MacBook okay um, that one's called Iris. It's a yeah. pretty good subscription that you can consider. Um, so those will be the two main things that I would focus on first. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's dig into those a little. Sure. Um, because we've mentioned blue blocking glasses on this podcast a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um so I'd like to just like really clarify what we're what we're talking about for people. So um first of all, what are blue blocking glasses and what do they do? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when do we wear them? Sure. So there are a couple of different types, but just to keep things simple, essentially blue light blocking glasses are, they're slightly tinted either in orange or um, orange, sorry, from yellow, orange or red, depending on how much blue and green that you would like to filter out from the other sources. There's a little bit of color distortion, so it does require a bit of um, getting used to. So depending on an individual, most of the time I would like to get them started on the orange pair, uh, which blocks up to about 500 nanometers wavelength of of light. So that's about most of the blue and part of the green. So that's kind of like a sweet spot um, just for the person who has some first-hand experience and be able to enjoy a good night's sleep. So that would okay. be first. so so the blue light blocking glasses we've talked about the light coming out of the screen is um basically toxic if if the mm. sun has gone down the blue light blocking glasses are specifically designed to filter out the toxic light so it doesn't hit our eyeball. Yeah, that's right. And typically okay. blue light is between like 4 to uh, about 4 to 480 nanometers. Um, light range before it kind mm-hmm. of shifts towards the, the green. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah. so that's why it's important that it's orange, not yellow, because there's a lot of crappy mm-hmm. glasses on the market that say blue blocking, but yeah. <laughs> but it has to be that it has to be like an orange color. It's not really doing anything. Is that right? Yeah. It has to be tinted in a certain way, like in terms of the mechanism, like it gets a little bit too technical, but I have actually tested some, um, Amazon orange tinted glasses that mm-hmm. actually leaks some of the blue light through. So it right. doesn't mean that um, just because it's orange, it's going to do its job. And okay. the same thing goes for those prescription eyewears that markets itself as blue light filtering glasses, but it doesn't have any form of um, protective, um, sorry, like tinted protective coat on them. That tends to also offer nothing but full sense of security. And I've okay. tested those as well. And pretty much the blue and the green that passes through those um, prescriptive eyewear um, is pretty much the same as, um, you know, without wearing a pair of blue blockers. Okay. All right. So this is really important. So not all blue blocking glasses are created equal. And mm-hmm. that term can be used. So it could be filtering out just a tiny little bit that's barely making a difference, but you could still put the words blue blocking glasses on the package. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how do we, if somebody does want to go on Amazon mm-hmm. or go on the internet and order some glasses, because to my knowledge, you still can't really buy these retail. Like I've never seen quality, yeah. quality blue blockers retail. So I think you do have to order them. So what should people look for? How, how would, how would they know, okay, this company is legit and these mm-hmm. glasses are actually going to do what they, what there's, what I need them to do. Yeah. Um, so typically, I tend to test everything with a spectrometer to make sure that they actually work and checked out. Because um, some of the ones in Amazon, the, the ones that are mass produced and made in China, mm-hmm. um, they look really good. 
But the problem is they tend to leak out just a small percentage of blue, which is okay. not ideal. Okay. Um, typically, what I would typically do is um, test with some of the blue blocking companies that I partner with, yeah. um, purely because, not so much because of commission, but purely because I've vetted them and yeah. made sure that they actually work and deliver the results um, for my clients. Then I would basically recommend those because I personally tested okay. them to make sure that they- So actually- for those of us who don't have spectrometers lying around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us some good places to get blue blocking glasses? Sure. Yeah. The, the one that um, that I typically recommend just because it's affordable mm-hmm. um, is the Meat West light therapy ones, purely because it's like, well, for the price of like $35, mm-hmm. you can get a decent pair to have that experience. But okay. then as you go along, you know, we yes. tend to collect <laughs> other yes. glasses. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, and, and I think it's good to look from a budget perspective because you can spend like $200 or you can spend like $35. And correct. so what was the brand that you just mentioned at the lower end of the price range? Midwest Light Therapy. Oh, Midwest Light Therapy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then obviously if you if you like it and your, your eyes get accustomed to it and you don't have any issues with mm-hmm. color distortion, so then you can kind of look into some of the more trendier pairs or customize your own frames than um, other companies such as uh, Raw Optics, uh, Viva Rays, you know, a whole lot of them um, can actually help you out with those um, okay. like specific customization or um, widen up the range of designs that you can actually use. So you can actually look, I guess, like more hip and trendy um, and wear yeah. them when you go outside as well. Yeah. Right. So yeah, as so as you go up in price point, there's some differences um, with the the tech, the way that they're made, but there's also more options in terms of styles and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I'm I'm also conscious because when I talk, I'm often thinking of families, right? So there's mm-hmm. five people in our families. So if I was, you know, for me to, if someone was like, oh yeah, you just need to get everyone blue blockers and they're like $200 each, I'd be like, okay, that's a significant commitment. So, so yeah, we have, so we have, because we have kids and a puppy and things get stepped on and chewed. We do, I do have a, I have my own nice pair for me. And Mm -hmm. so does Jason, my husband. And then we just have like a basket of, uh, the, of the less expensive ones, Mm. um, so th- I'm just sh- sharing strategies here for people who are like, okay, well, what are you talking about? Okay. So, um, okay. So there's a range of budgets, then there's a range of styles and, oh yeah, just a, a general rule of thumb that I, I notice is that in, in the companies where the founder has a story and like, seems to be a bit of a research nerd, <laughs> even, you know, I, I find their their products are often more trustworthy versus a, a company where it's like, you can't really find out who owns it or who made it or where it's from. Because yeah. all of the brands that you mentioned, yeah, like I've um, interviewed or met a lot of those entrepreneurs and yeah, they're very trustworthy people who really, really care about making quality products. Mm, yeah, very much so. And a good thing about them is um, the communication is always open. So in case right. you have any questions, um, you know, even from consumer, 
um, perspective, they're always there to support. So that's always a good sign versus just selling you a pair and, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> kind of. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, so on the blue blockers, so we've talked about budget, we've talked about how they need to be orange. You need to get them from a, a reputable company who's making them properly so that they don't, mm. they don't leak blue light and you, mm. you think you're safe and you're watching your movie and really yeah. are <laughs> yeah. wrecking your sleep. Um, anything else on blue blockers that you would want to mention? Mm, I think that's about it. Oh, the, the other thing maybe is worth mentioning is the yellow pair as well. Yeah, this okay. is a little bit more advanced, but it might be more relevant because winter is coming. Mm. So most of the time when the nights become longer, um, we may not necessarily want to wear the orange pair of glasses as soon as the sun sets, just yeah. because you have to keep things practical or in case yeah. you have to in the office. Yeah, so, if it's pitch dark at 5 p.m., we're not all going to go to bed. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know, like for, for me, it's always about trying to make things as practical as possible, um, yeah. you know, but, but while making sure that we can protect our health um, as much as possible as well. So more of like a middle ground would be the next step uh, would be to consider um, a yellow pair. So uh, in case if you're going out at night with your friends um, or if you're driving at night, the yellow pair is going to be more practical in that regards. And you can also use those during daytime if you are in, indoors in your office, um, you know, working on a computer, uh, that can also help as a additional supplement pair uh, just to protect the eyes from um, the oxidative effects of blue light. Okay. So the yellow is filtering some out, not enough to to totally protect your sleep, but it will make a difference mm. if you're in a horrible lighting environment during the day or earlier in the evening. Yeah. And I actually tr just tested this out because my children, it was back to school night at their school uh -huh. and it's in the evening uh, and schools are obviously not there, you know, lit for the daytime. And so I was talking to my daughter and we were trying to figure out which of her teachers I was going to be able to meet. And then all of a sudden she was like, mom, you're not going to wear those orange glasses, are you? <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> you're going to be really bright. And she was like, forget it. Don't go to any of my teachers. Don't go to any of my classrooms. I don't want to know you. <laughs> so uh, we compromised and I wore the yellow ones, which yes, they're much subtler. It's not as obvious when people, you know, when you yeah. walking around people. And, uh, so that was our compromise. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to say they made, it made more of a difference than, than I thought it would, you know, it didn't, I didn't have this kind of sleep I, I normally would have mm -hmm. when I wasn't under like a fluorescent light in a classroom yeah. at eight 30 at night, uh -huh. but it was, I did, I didn't feel as bad as I thought I would. Those, those yellow ones did make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so. if you're socializing or at back to school night, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can come in handy for sure. <laughs> yeah. The yellow ones are slightly less obnoxious. Um, that also reminds me, I was actually meeting a bunch of people who we were all studying this work and I went into the restaurant and I had my blue blockers on and I was looking for the table of people and, the, yeah. and I was looking over the shoulder of the, um, of the woman at the front working the front of the, of the restaurant. And, um, she's like, I think the people you're looking for are over there. <laughs> I 
I turned around and the whole table of people had blue blockers on. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even need to ask the name of the reservation. <laughs> You're part of the tribe. <laughs> yeah. She's like, your weirdos are at that table. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so blue block. So that's great. And so at blue blockers, okay, so you want to wear them if you have any kind of LED light bulb turned on or in front of a screen. If your house is nice and dim, then you don't need to wear blue blockers because mm. you yeah. can have good light bulbs, which we'll get into in a minute. Okay, so you also mentioned Iris. Tell tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so Iris is a. One of my favorite circadian rhythm friendly program for your desktop or your or your MacBook. Okay. Essentially, it's very intuitive. So you can actually set based on your location, so your latitude, longitude, and it will essentially calculate when does the sunrise and sunsets. And you can then set the extreme settings. For example, when the sun sets, you may want to remove all the blue. Mm-hmm. And then during the during daytime, you may want to kind of like just um, have a little bit of color uh, on your screen. So when you can set the extreme point um, between solar noon and um, sunrise and sunset, the program would then run on its own and help you shift um, the, the blue as well as the red throughout the entire okay. day. Um, and essentially that helps us um, protect our circadian rhythm. Yeah. and our eyes from digital eye screen, um, eye screen. And at the same time, um, like when, when the sun sets, it would just automatically reduce the blue down. So you don't have to manually adjust anything okay. every single day, which can become oh, cool. a bit of a hassle. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. I always turn it on and off. Okay. So that's a good tip. Thanks, Nick. Oh, okay. So, so Iris is a software that we can download onto a laptop or mm-hmm. a desktop yeah. and it filters out the blue light in varying degrees, depending on the mm-hmm. time of day. Yeah. So this is really cool. I love that. I love this because, mm-hmm. because yeah, it, um, it just really makes the computer much less of a, of a toxic device and yeah. you can use it more easily. You don't always have to have the glasses on mm-hmm. if you've got the iris going. Okay, so that's a great tip as well. And mm-hmm. that's Iris, like I-R-I-S, right? I-R-I-S, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Okay, so we're optimizing our circadian sleep. We've got we we got the blue blockers. We've got this software um, that can help with desktops and laptops. What about phones? How do we get, how do we mm. make our phones less of a... <laughs> Yeah, very much so. So the phone is a little bit more technical, but um, if you use an iPhone, you could just do a quick search on how to redshift your iPhone and there's plenty of tutorials on. Okay, um, so we want to, we want to redshift our iPhones, right? So there's a way, okay, you could, yeah, it's on YouTube. You can go into settings and just takes a minute and that'll help Mm. your, make your eye the screen on your iPhone go red when mm-hmm. you want it to, like when you in the evenings. To. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And then um, some of my clients may find that a little bit too harsh in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So even in between step that I like is if they're not open to that yet, then they could even consider night shifting 
their phone, which is readily available in most mobile phones anyway. Okay. So that way, it just helps to remove, not remove completely, but reduce um, a big portion of the blue that's coming up from. Um, okay. Yeah. So that. So be- putting an iPhone into night shift mode helps. It doesn't totally remove the blue, but it's better than not doing it. Yeah, hundred percent. But going into redshift is better. Is definitely is better than is even better than that. Okay, it's even better. <laughs> can you do you know? Can you do a redshift on an iPad? Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah, pretty much okay. the same settings. Yeah, as the okay. IPad. All right, so that's good, especially like, I mean, yeah, if you have your kids using their iPads to play yeah. games on on a Friday night or whatever, like yeah. that happens in my house. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. So let so for the third thing, we have, we have three key three key purchases to <laughs> live a modern life and right. not have trashy sleep. So mm-hmm. blue blockers, um, reducing the blue light in your screens, mm-hmm. and would the last thing be yep. some circadian friendly lighting? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I would say. Um, Introducing or learning how to adapt to um, orange or red light bulb um, would obviously be the most optimum thing to do for your health. Um, typically, what I like to do is, um, you know, it, it's, it's always like a gradual process. So um, if clients are not ready for the red or the orange, incandescent light bulb is, uh, is a good starting point. So at least that kind of cuts the melatonin suppression by half. Um, and then when they can feel the benefit, I tend to encourage them to shift starting from a bedroom um, into more of like an orange or red light. And that way, at least from a bedroom perspective, they haven't actually got anything that's going to throw things off uh, right. you know, closer to bedtime. And then obviously, the, the better you feel, and the more you trust the process, then you know yeah. you can always expand this um, this this light fitting thing into your living room or your kitchen. Um, and ideally, like for myself at least, um, I tend to live without any blue uh, once the sun sets. So right. so that, that way, um, I don't really need to like focus so much on protecting my eyes because my environment is pretty much free right. from free from blue light. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a great, that's a great point is, is yeah, we can, if we, if we try, you know, just don't turn on those overhead lights, have some lamps with incandescent bulbs, if you can find them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, or, or circadian optimized bulbs. Um, I was mentioning, I talked to Daniel Abbott at Black Light. Mm -hmm. He he makes good ones. Um, Yeah. And then, and then if you, if you in a place where you don't have control over how the environment is lit, mm. or you want to watch a movie or something, that's when you would put on the blue blockers. Yep, that's right. Okay, okay. Nick, this has been so clear and so helpful. Um, I know you you have an appointment with a client in a few minutes. So, is there anything else that you would like to share with us? You have you your research and your the that you've done into uh, the science behind all of this, as well as all of the devices that are available and what is most useful is like very, very helpful. So appreciate you sharing it all. Yeah, not at all. Thank you for having me. And I guess apart from um, eliminating bright blue light at night, I guess 
the, the next component to balance things out so that you can have a healthy circadian rhythm overall is to embrace the sun when the sun right. is out. Yeah. That's a great place to end. Absolutely. Right. Because that's another, yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but yes, yeah. to be outside mm -hmm. during the day, um, even when it's rainy, like I had, I had a chair, I pulled out one of the kitchen chairs under our front porch today because it's covered because it's pouring mm -hmm. rain, but yeah. I still wanted to have that, that time outside, especially in the morning. Mm, very much so. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a really amazing tool. So like, um, you know, rain, rain, shine or cloudy, like uh, we should always spend, you know, a, a good amount of time outside as much as possible. Yeah. Right. Because that light is programming our body in a healthy way, in a way to make it work better. Yep. Unlike all the stuff we just talked about, which is the opposite. <laughs> yep. Okay. And Nick, how can people find you if they want to work with you? Sure. Um, you want more info or you've got lots of really good downloads and things like that available. Um, I guess the best way is to follow me on Instagram, uh, on coach Nick Tan, N-I-C-T-A-N. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Um, yeah. And thank you very much, Meredith, for the um, opportunity. Yeah. To oh. speak. Well, thanks for sharing. You are a wealth of information. I'll have to have you back on and we'll, we'll dig into some more, some more high level devices. And, but it was really, I think really helpful just to cover those, those three key things for people to do and buy light bulbs, blue blockers, mm -hmm. blue light blocking software. So yeah. thanks for explaining it so clearly, Nick. No problem. Thank you. Okay, bye. See you soon. Okay, bye. This has been the Quantum Biology Collective Podcast. Don't forget to sign up to the QBC Podcast Insiders Club at qbcpod.com. That's qbcpod.com. We've got eight fully searchable episodes as well as a product guide and the practitioner directory. And we'd love to hear from you. So when you log in there, there's also a form to fill out to let us know what you think and what you'd like to see more of on the podcast. Thanks for being here.